Young Billy Graham hailed another Billy Sunday. Reverend Billy Graham, one of the most inspirational spiritual leaders of the 20th century. We need you, we love you. Thank you for coming, Billy Graham. Would you welcome please evangelist, author, educator, Dr. Billy Graham. Our recipient, the man who honors us by being here today. What is your purpose? Go into the whole world and proclaim this message. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Shall make you free. As I look back over my life, it's full of surprises. I never thought I would become friends with people in different countries all over the world. I see how God's hand guided me. When I began preaching many years ago, it is not with any thoughts that I'd be preaching to large audiences. Come to the cross! His gospel is for everyone! God has done this. Christ is alive! Modern America today, there is a vacuum of the soul. Our country is in great need of a spiritual awakening. Well, there have been times that I've wept as I've gone from city to city and I've seen how far people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there's only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. There is a way if you come by the way of the cross. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross, not the cross that hangs on a wall or around someone's neck. We receive our freedom purchased by the ransom at the cross but the real cross of Christ. The cross expresses the great love of God for man. It's scarred and blood-stained. His was a rugged cross. His real purpose for coming was to die. I know that many will react to this message, but it is the truth. And with all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth. God says, I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. And he loves you willing to forgive you of all your sins. On our churches, we have a cross. It's embossed on our Bibles. The cross really didn't have any meaning to me except for something artistic that rock stars wore. It's an ornament that we wear around our necks, Christians and non-Christians. But talk about the depth and the real meaning of the cross, and it becomes an offense. Why is that? I developed a pretty heavy skepticism about religious things. The cross is offensive because it confronts people. Even so, it's a confrontation that all of us must face. Being a magician is the most fun thing in the world to me. I tend to like questions a lot more than answers. As a magician, you're very skeptical and you realize that most of what's going on behind the scenes is fake or false. The idea of an all-powerful God seems incredibly silly. And when I talk to people that would go to church, I can remember thinking that they were just falling for a simple magic trick. 
It's like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain controlling everything. I'd grown up understanding how to make people believe something was real when it was really not. I am a master of phoniness. I'm a, I'm a charlatan by craft. But I began to ask myself the big God question. I said, God, if you are real, then I need you to bring me back behind the curtain. I need you to show me how it works. And I need you to make this so real to me that I cannot ignore it. My mom always told me about God. I think I had an idea that God was big and good, but as time went on and I saw more and more tragic things happen around me, I think that was the beginning of me just questioning everything about life and about God. When I was 10 years old, my stepdad came to pick me up and he said that my cousin, Kelly, was dead. I remember being so mad and really just, just deciding that if God was big and good, why wouldn't he protect my cousin who is so tiny and so awesome, such a funny, brilliant little guy. Why wouldn't God protect him from a huge muscle guy like his stepdad who beat him to death? I look out across an audience when I stand up to preach, and I think of all the people with their different backgrounds and their various needs. And I know that they are objects of God's mighty love. To the point that he gave his son, his only son, to die upon a cross. And the cross was the most terrible form of execution by the Romans for criminals. And Jesus endured all that in our place because of our sins. We deserved the cross. We deserved hell. We deserved judgment and all that that means. I know that there are many people that dispute that. People don't want to hear that they're sinners. To many people, it's an offense. The cross is offensive because it directly confronts the evils which dominate so much of this world. You see, the Bible teaches that all of us are wrong. We've all gone astray. We've everyone turned to his own way filled with envy and hate and strife and greed and lust and all the other things that could pull the trigger. I remember thinking that same year that my cousin died about the depth of the evil in the world. I never wanted to have kids. It was just a new person to suffer. That was the year I started to cry myself to sleep every night and stopped believing in God. I couldn't 
get away from my own depression. So I started studying other religions. There was a lot of nice ideas, but there wasn't any tangible healing. And I remember thinking, I'm tired of the pain in my heart. I'm tired of going to bed that way. I'm tired of feeling like a burden. I'm just tired of not knowing why I'm alive. And so I remember the night I laid in bed and I knew I was gonna commit suicide the next day. I knew that I was not gonna live past tomorrow. I spent my life pursuing magic. I was successful, but I had no idea how close I was to death. I will never forget the day this man walks into my room and he said, Mr. Monroe, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have, you have cancer. looked at me and said, Mr. Monroe, he said, we cannot cure you of your disease. My wife and I were, we were in a bad place. God, where are you? I guess you aren't that great. I had been married for five years. I had just a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old little boy. And I needed, I needed more time with my family. Facing death, I started reflecting on the choices that I've made, the mistakes that I've made. All of us are sinners. We've turned our back on God. And that's a very dangerous thing for us as individuals. Sin is a disease in the human heart. It affects the mind and the will and the emotions. Every part of our being is affected by this disease. How can we break this bondage? How can we be set free? God helps us break those chains. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. He can make you a totally new person. On the day that I planned to commit suicide, I came home from school and my grandma was there and she wasn't supposed to be there. And she looked at me and said, there's something wrong with you. You're gonna go to church. I was like, no way I'm going to church. And she screamed at the top of her lungs like we were fighting back and forth and I just didn't wanna listen to her yell anymore. And so I decided, fine, I'll go. And then afterwards, I'll go ahead and follow through with my plan. So I went to the back of the church and slumped down in my chair and hated everybody in the room. And 
The pastor started speaking, and I hated him more than anyone. And he says, there's a suicidal spirit in the room. And of course, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I was, well, this is really weird. <laughs> and I got up and went to the door. A white-headed man was standing there, and he stopped me. And it was like, the Lord wants me to speak to you. He wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. God knows the pain in your heart. He's seen you cry yourself to sleep at night. The idea was so overwhelming to me. He's like, do you want me to pray for you so that Jesus can take the pain out of your heart? He put his hand on my shoulder and started to pray. It was as if the God of the universe showed up right in front of me. And the first thing I noticed was that God was holy and good. And the second thing I noticed was that I was so not holy and not good. We are sinners. We have broken God's laws. We have deserved judgment. Yet Jesus took it for our sake. On that cross, God was laying on Jesus our sins. They not only put nails in his hands, but before that, they'd scourged him. A Roman scourge was a terrible thing. They took whips and pellets on those whips and beat a person almost to death. And then they took that cross and made him carry the cross, which was in his weakened condition was almost impossible. But he carried that cross to a place outside of Jerusalem. And then they put nails in his hands. But that was not the real suffering. The real suffering is when he said, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that terrible moment, he and God, the Father, were separated. He shed his blood, and the shedding of that blood carries with it God's very life. The blood is the meeting place between God and man. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And that's what Christ was doing on the cross. He was making atonement for our sins and he was shedding his blood. Now, when you take the blood out, that means you're giving your life. And that's what it means. It means the life of Christ. The cross and the resurrection of Christ offers forgiveness of sin, offers a whole new life and offers you eternal life if you come to the cross by repentance and faith. The cancer doctor looked at me and said, Mr. Monroe, he said, we cannot cure you of your disease. There is something, however, that we would like to try. It's called a bone marrow transplant. The problem with your body is that your white blood cells are making bad copies of bad copies. Your body is deceiving itself 
it's playing a trick on itself. So what we need to do is we need to completely destroy your system. And what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to find someone in the world whose DNA matches yours close enough to grow a brand new immune system, a brand new blood system from scratch. We're gonna substitute someone else's perfect blood on your behalf so that you can live again. God said without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There has to be a substitute for you who will take the judgment that you deserve, the death that you deserve, and that substitute became Jesus Christ. I was thinking to myself, man, my time is running out. I am dying of cancer. It's been hard to deal with right now. Peyton is three years old and Gavin is two years old. My two babies, should this take my life early, I love you. They began the most vicious concoction of chemo, the goal of which was not just to destroy the cancer in my body, but was literally to destroy me. It was hell. It was a slow death. I really am scared. I'm really trying not to be fearful, but I am fearful. I'm trying to be strong for my wife and for my, for my family, but uh, I'm pretty scared. We are waiting to hear from the National Bone Marrow Donor Program, seven million people currently registered on the database. And there was one perfect match for me, just one. It was a 19-year-old female. And then I'll never forget, on April 23rd, they brought this bag of blood into my room, and everyone was hoping in that moment that my body would receive that new life, that new blood. I sit here today, 100% completely cancer-free. And through the experience, I came to clearly see what Christ did for me on the cross. He gave his blood for me so I could have eternal life. I'm reminded of a verse in Galatians 2. It says, uh, it's no longer I who live, but it's someone else who lives on the inside of me. John 17, 3, it says, This is eternal life, knowing you, God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. fully convinced of the claims of Jesus as a skeptical person and as an illusionist. I know that the God of the universe has brought me back behind the curtain just like I asked him to. Cancer was how he did it through my life. And there's a spiritual cancer that's eating us away on the inside. And we're all longing, we're all begging for someone to step in and to save us from that condition. And that's what Jesus did on the cross through his resurrection.
if God had looked at me and said, go away forever, he would have been right. It would have been just as. The same time I felt that, I felt him inviting me to an embrace of grace and love unconditional. It was like God was saying, I love you. I know you're tired of the way you've been living and I will make you new if you will let me. My heart was just, yes, it just said, yes, I, I need that, I want that, please. And that's why I woke up the next day. I just felt such a peace and a joy almost that I'd never felt before. Jesus saved my life and on top of everything else, the life of my son and the new baby. That wouldn't be if Jesus hadn't intervened and rescued me. The most overwhelming thing is to think that Jesus became sin and it was my sin and it was things that I've done the house him on the cross, it was things that I've done. He hung naked on a cross, bleeding in a shameful way, so that I would never have to be ashamed for the things that I've done. The truth is, the truth is, there is no other way besides Christ and what he did. There is no life outside of that. There is no other way of salvation except through the cross of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The only way to the Father, Father God, is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now why Jesus? He's the only one that was born into this world without sin. But more than that, he was a righteous one. And when you come to him, you're clothed in his righteousness. God no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your own heart. He sees Jesus. Now, I don't understand all about it. There are many things about the cross and about salvation that I do not understand. And I'm not told that I have to understand it all. I'm told that I'm to believe. And that word believe means commit. I commit my life totally to Him. Jesus Christ from the cross says, I will save you. I will forgive you. I will change you. I'll make you a new person if you come to the cross by repentance and faith. Come to Christ. When you come to Christ, you come by the way of repentance. Repent means to change. To change your way of living and turn from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ and say, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. 
And I know that you're the only one that can change me. says in spite of our rebellion and rejection God loves you he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for your sins and when Christ died on that cross he became guilty of lying he became guilty of slander he became guilty of jealousy he became guilty of the most filthy dirty sins Christ took the hell that you and I deserve now God said receive him believe in him Put your trust and your confidence in him and I will forgive your sins and I will guarantee you eternity in heaven. It's all yours and it's all free. All you have to do is receive it. Today, I'm asking you to put your trust in Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer sentence by sentence after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. He's alive. I've given my life not to a dead Christ, but to a living Christ. I know where I've come from. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. Do you? Maybe your heart has been gripped by fear as millions of others have because of this coronavirus pandemic. But I want you to know that God loves you. He made you, he created you. You don't need to be afraid. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've never trusted him as your savior, you can pray right now to do that. Just simply 
pray this prayer. God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son, and I want to invite him to come into my heart, into my life. I'm willing to trust him as my savior and follow him as my Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, call this number that's on the screen. Do it right now. We've got someone who will pray with you, talk with you, and encourage you. God bless.